Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Some of this I was going to preach last Sunday, but I I did one of those... uh, when I'm, when I'm trying to uh, get a lot of information across, I, I usually have, have notes. You know, sometimes all I have is a little sticky pad with a couple of scriptures on it. And, uh, but when I'm, I'm trying to convey a lot of information, I, I prepare quite a few notes. And last Sunday, I got up here and started preaching and realized that I left one whole page of my notes in my office. And so I had to, I had to quickly improvise and change directions right in the middle of my message. But we're going we're gonna, to uh, touch on that a little bit today and uh, some of what, what I was uh, looking at last Sunday. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25, it says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, Apostle Paul is making a differentiation here about the dwelling and the action. We, if we live in the Spirit, the word live here, um, pretty simple, it means to actually be alive. It, it doesn't mean just to exist. It doesn't just mean to go through the motions, but to be full alive. How many want to be full alive? Yeah. Want to be full of passion? Passion is something that you have to guard. You know, what, you know why most people lose their passion for God? Because they become emotionally exhausted. And the reason we become emotionally exhausted is because we take on every challenge that comes our way. We take on every, every um, relational issue, and, and we, we focus on all that. We focus on criticism and negative things, and positive things and we we exhaust ourselves emotionally and it dry and it, and it literally drains us of our passion if you want to have passion for god you got to protect that passion you got to decide what you're going to allow to you what you're going to use that passion on because you can't take every everything that comes your way every challenge that comes your way as i, I tell a lot of people in counseling with uh with especially with children with each other, absolutely, but especially with children, pick your battles. Don't engage every battle that's thrown at you because it'll just wear you out. And you'll constantly be in conflict. Amen. So you have to pick your battles. You have to decide what battles are actually worth the fight. And when you pick that battle, you have to go through with that battle. You can't stop halfway through. So be careful what battles you pick because once you commit, you need to, you need to see it through. Amen. Praise God, especially with your kids. Don't threaten your kids. Don't ever threaten your kids. If you say something, do it. And that's why you need to be careful what you say. Because if you say you've had it, they better have had it. And so if you don't want to make them have it, then you don't want to say that because they won't believe what you're saying. Amen. One of the, one of the things about a marriage relationship is following through with the things you say and the things you commit, with, commit to. Your relationship with God. How forgiving does God have to be with us? I mean, it is amazing how forgiving God has to be with us because we've got a lot of good intentions and we, we, we say a lot of things that we never follow through with and 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 but God God has to just keep moving us through that, you know. I don't I don't like that when somebody's constantly telling me I'll do this, you know, or committing, committing, committing. But they but then they always find an excuse and a way out before they get it done, you know. I, that that's just not. Don't say it if you're not going to do it. Amen. When I'm dealing with somebody trying to make schedules, and I'm dealing with somebody that will commit to anything but won't follow through with anything. I don't like that. I, I, I get to the point where I just don't want to work with that person. Amen. And if I am going to work with them, I don't just talk to them. I talk to everybody around them and tell them put it on their calendar so that they have a lot of reminders because we need to follow through with things. 
when we're walking in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, it means to be alive, to live, to actually be alive. A lot of us aren't alive. We are just simply existing. We're, we're just we're surviving. How many just feel like you're surviving sometimes? I really don't like that feeling. You know, when life, life seems to, to be running over you, and you no longer feel like you're just you're really living you're just simply being pushed in life that's not that's not passion that's not that's not living living is where you're anticipating you're ready have you ever just woke up and you're just ready yeah that ain't that that don't happen very often in a lot of things we're, we're engaged in in life amen <laughs> sometimes when i get to work and it's and there's something that we got to do that's, that's really difficult. A lot of times I'll say, man, I just woke up this morning saying, I can't wait to do this, which is sarcastic, but <laughs> I'm trying to put a good turn on it. You understand what Brother Patrick told me today? He said he got here real early this morning. He said, he said I woke up and couldn't wait to get to church. <laughs> Amen. Couldn't wait. That's what we need to be alive to live in the spirit means you, you, you wake up in the morning and you're alive with anticipation and knowing that, that, that there's, there's some good stuff ahead of you. And even if there's some bad stuff ahead of you, that everything's going to work out to your good because that's what the word says. Amen. Everything works out to the good of those that love the Lord. It might not start out good, but if you'll stick with God, he'll turn it to where it comes out good. Amen. Praise God. Don't get all upset just because things don't, don't go good in your life because a lot of times you need to be in. I listened to a, a message, uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick. Uh, he was in a conference that I wanted to attend and wasn't able to, but they had it on, on um, uh, live streaming, so I got to listen to some of it. And, and he was talking about just the passion. He was talking about the fact that, that sometimes, you know, you, you just don't want to do stuff because it's hard. And a lot of times we find ourselves in situations that we don't want to be in. And we want God to get us out of this situation. But as Christians, sometimes God gets us into those situations not to get us out, but because he wants to get into that situation. And so he needed you there so he could get in there. See, we see ourselves, we don't see ourselves as victorious. We see ourselves as being under attack, and that is a terrible way to live. I've, I've, I've been around Christian people that are always under attack from life, from people, from the devil. It's always under attack. You're always, what a miserable way to live. Amen. You got you to gotta start looking at it and saying, hey, if I'm in a bad situation and I'm following God and I'm walking after God, then God needs me here. Whew, don't shout me down here. Now, get off the backs of the pews. I'm not done. Don't be, don't be swinging from the chandeliers here now that I'm preaching. God needs, God needs us there in that situation. And if we can just focus on that, then it, it makes it a whole lot better, doesn't it? That we, can, we, we have something to bring to that situation. We're not just there to be beat up. We're there to bring something to that situation. And so to live is to really be alive. And then he, he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, the word walk here actually means to march in rank. To march in rank. If we're going to live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. It means to march in rank. It means to keep step with. To conform to the virtue and piety of. It's not just getting up and walking. It's living in the Spirit and letting your life, as you live in the Spirit, letting it become your walk where you actually are walking in cadence with the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when we do our declarations up here, a lot of times we, we get out of rhythm with one another. And it's because we have to do these in like a cadence. Cadence. I bring my offering to Heavenly Father. Comma. I, you know, we, gotta, we have to do that. 
you know, it, and it's like a cage. We have to get in step with each other, get in step with the leader. And the leader has to do it in a way that we can get in step with. And so we, we, so we, have, to, we have to get in step. So the Holy Spirit is, is giving us marching orders. The Holy Spirit is in our life, living in our life. And to grow in, in, the, in the Lord and to be full of the Spirit means that you have, you have matched step with the rhythm of the Holy Spirit in your life. You, you've got into a place where you're, you're walking and your walk is actually conforming to the virtues of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about having an experience. It's about getting your life in rhythm with something besides this world. Amen. I don't like the rhythm of this world. I don't like the I like to be in the rhythm with the Holy Spirit. I don't like my rhythm. I have a very very frantic driven rhythm if I in my natural. And a lot of times I think why do I do this? I mean when I get to work and sometimes I work myself into a, into a, just a, a, a what do you call it? I get to working so hard and fast that I actually shake. I mean that's how driven I get. I'll actually notice my hands are shaking, and I'm just, you know, and I don't like that rhythm. That's not a good rhythm. But when, I, when I'm just simply letting the Holy Spirit work in my life, then it's a rhythm that produces life. It's a rhythm that keeps us moving, but it's also a rhythm that brings harmo harmonious balance to our whole being, spirit, soul, and body. Holy Spirit is the peace that our body needs. It's a peace that our mind needs. He is what causes us to be able to flow in this life. Sometimes, sometimes I notice that I'm starting to get into, into the rhythm of, of what's around me. When that happens, that means that I am, I am yielding to the carnality around me instead, and instead of yielding to the rhythm of the Holy Spirit in me. Amen. So the spirit, the word spiritual, we talked about that last, last uh, week. You know, the spiritual aspect. That word, that word was not used until after the day of Pentecost. Then they begin to use the word spiritual. And, and the word spiritual means such as is suited to the heavenly environment. Man, I like that. Such as is suited to the heavenly environment environment thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven to be spiritual means that you are in in rhythm and in harmony with a heavenly environment on earth you can bring that environment into this world that's why i love coming to church man i was pumped this morning to get here because i was hungry to to just get in corporate worship I worship the Lord myself. I pray and I worship myself in the car when I'm at work, different times. I've, I've got a song and a praise in my heart. But when we come together and that corporate praise and worship and we begin to sing and rehearse the words of God, rehearse the principles of God together, there's an energy and there's a peace and there's an excitement that fills us because we begin to spread to each other. We begin to affect one another. We begin to spread an atmosphere that produces the things of God. So spiritual is, is that which is conducive to a heavenly environment. Amen. I had a lot of people say, you know, why do, why do we sing songs anymore and we sing them over and over and over because you don't get it any other way. If you don't like that, it could be because you don't like to learn. Because repetition is learning. If you don't re repetitively repeat something in your life, it'll never become part of your life. You might have a knowledge of it, but you don't have the existence or the activity of it. And so, you know, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your we sung that phrase over and over and over today and the reason we did that is because we need to get it 
We need to get the fact that fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in the love of God. And if you really wrap yourself around that and embrace that, then the spiritual atmosphere, the environment of heaven begins to erupt inside of you. And the next thing you know, you have faith coming out of you instead of doubt. You have excitement in you instead of dread. Tension is gone and peace has filled your life because all of a sudden you say, hey, it's going to be okay because I serve a living God and he's amazing fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love Lord oh praise God oh that's why we do it amen somebody just needed to hear that maybe on Facebook or something somebody needed to hear that I've had a lot of people complain to me say you know we, we used to just sing out the songbook and we'd sing the song and was done with it and we'd go on to the next one you know, well, that's great. I grew up doing that. I used to be a song leader. I, I did that. The only problem was I didn't do that. I sung it over and over and over and over, and people got mad at me then, too, when I sung the hymns over and over. Why? Because it's worth repeating. And when we get it into your head to where you're going to work on Monday morning and, and what you repeated over and over and over on Sunday, what you heard over and over, and that starts coming out of your being and you start hearing that in your mind, then you got something. There's nothing more aggravating to a pastor, especially someone who's been in the ministry 40 years, for somebody to say, man, we had a good service. P pastor preached a good message today. I can't remember a thing he said, but he preached a good message this morning. That ain't what it's about. Amen. I want you to get it. I want you to get it. And I'm going to preach this thing until we get it. Over and over and over and over. Matter of fact, next year, I am contemplating, instead of doing these in nine-week segments, going through the whole thing every nine weeks. Why? You say, well, what are you going to do that for? Because we got to get it. We got to get it to the point that when you run into people on the, on, on the job or outside the church, that you don't have to try to look for something. It literally just comes up inside of you, and you've got answers, and you've got things for them. And it's not something you have to try to search for. Holy Spirit can't bring out of you what hasn't been put in you. Man, that's good preaching. Come on, son. <laughs> Amen. Spiritual heavenly environment this is another meaning of the word spiritual all that is produced and maintained among men by the operation of the Spirit of God all that is produced and maintained among men that word maintained you know there's there there's one of the hardest things that we have to do as as human beings is maintain a certain type of behavior, a certain type, a certain level of life, because we always got things trying to pull the life out of us. There's always things trying to pull us back down. You get you get on a level with God. Matter of fact, you you get you have an experience with God. You learn something in God, and you start practicing that. If you're not careful, the people around you that haven't got there will pull you back down. Why? Because they don't understand what you're doing. They don't understand your level. They don't understand your revelation. And if you're not careful, that'll, that'll just suck the life out of your revelation. Just keep promoting your revelation until people around you start getting it. And then they say, you know, you don't have to work at it because you've got a whole lot of people helping you with it. Amen. Spiritual environment. What's maintained by God? Growth. We got to grow in this thing. One of, one of the one of the areas that we fall short in the church is is the growth aspect. You can't grow by just by just hanging around something. You got to get involved in it. You got to you got to dive into this thing. Amen. You can't just hang around it. You got to you got to become what 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 is uh, what's there. Galatians chapter three. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter three. I'd like to camp out on some of this stuff, but I, I, we need to move on. <laughs> no, I'm going to move on. Don't try to talk me out of it. I'm going. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. For, you're, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ... 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. How many think that's awesome? Heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. I want to stop right there. One of the things that we've got to understand is Holy Spirit in our life can only work to the level of maturity that we have attained in the walk of God. Okay? Immaturity in the, in the house of God is an epidemic. Spiritual immaturity. We don't want to advance in this thing. We want to experience it, but we don't want to advance in this thing. Now, if, that, if, if that's not you, then, then you, just, you just say, well, pastor, preach to somebody else because that's not me, okay? But most of us don't want to advance in it. We don't become owners of the spiritual walk. We, we want God to touch us. We want God to inspire us. We want God's miracles. We want God's gifts. But we don't want to increase in the responsibility and the knowledge that needs to come in order for us to walk in the things of God in a proper way. Matter of fact, in the Pentecostal charismatic circles, that's, that's, that's been a downfall and has caused a lot of problems because immaturity has caused a lot of grief and caused a lot of error because we don't want to grow in this thing. We want to grow in our experience, but we don't want to grow in our sonship and our responsibility. Okay? I, I was dealt with one time with a, with a minister that was a very gifted person, had a lot of gifts, but he was so, so immature in the things of God. He, he had this carnal approach, and, and it, was all about, it was all about him, it was all about the fame, it was all about the, the notoriety, you know, and, and his power and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I tried to help him. I dealt with him for a long time and, and tried to help him come out of that. And I was making some headway, and all of a sudden one day he said, I don't want to be around you anymore. You're, you're, you're killing everything that God's doing in my life. I said, son, I ain't killing anything. I'm trying to get you to get an honest look at the things of God. And he refused because the excitement of his gifts and, and being able to manipulate people through his gifts was more exciting and more tantalizing than growth and finally I told him one day I said look I said you're a little boy with a big gun and that makes you dangerous you're a little boy with a big gun in other words you got a hold of a big gun but you don't want to you don't want to learn the responsibility of having that gun which makes a person dangerous amen there's a, one, one guy has a sign that says firearms welcome, but judicial marksmanship is appreciated. In other words, if you're going to carry a gun, make sure you know how to use it and make sure you know how to shoot so that, so that innocent people don't get shot. It's not enough just to have a right. It's not enough just to have a privilege. It's not enough just to have a gift. You've got to apply yourself to the proper instruction of being able to walk in that so that you walk properly in the gift and the things that you have. And that is the place where we've got to start increasing is the life of the Spirit, not just the experience of the Spirit. Amen. Thank God for the gifts. But i got to tell you something. The gifts aren't the problem because God can do what he does. It's getting us to yield 
and come along with him. I talked here a while back about Peter. Look at the, the, the struggle God had with Peter trying to get him to walk in the life and walk of what he had. And he finally gave him a vision on the housetop. You know, the sheep come down three times, kill and eat. You all know the, know the story. And Peter kept saying, no, it's not lawful. It's not right. I'm not going to do it. And, and God was trying to get him to get in the right place so that he could use what he'd put in him. Getting us in the right place is the problem. But when Peter got there, that gifts and operations of the Spirit was not a problem because he went down there he finally said okay he he might have thought this is all about me you know i gotta be here and he shows up introduces himself they talk a little bit and peter starts teaching and the holy spirit took over and did the work the action of the holy spirit wasn't the problem getting the vessel in line and in yielding and in cadence with his step, that was the problem. Amen. I got to tell you something. If you're hungry for God, God's going to move in your life. If you want the presence of God, his presence is going to be in your life. That's not the problem. The problem is conforming ourselves to the values and the virtues of Holy Spirit so that we can walk in cadence and in marching orders with the Holy Spirit in our daily life. If we're going to live in the Spirit... Let us also walk in the Spirit. I want to read uh, something from uh, the Vines Expository on New Testament words talking about spiritual. It says, The spiritual man is one who walks by the Spirit, both in the sense of Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 and 525, what I just, we just read. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And 516 says, uh, If uh, you live in the Spirit, you will not um, obey the lust of the flesh. And it says, and who himself manifests the fruit of the Spirit in his own ways. Now notice it didn't say manifest the power of the Spirit. It says manifest the fruit of the Spirit in his own ways. According to the Scriptures, the spiritual state of soul is normal for the believer. Spirituality for the believer is a natural thing because when you invite jesus into your life the father son and the holy spirit begin to operate in your life spirituality is not a problem when you invite jesus into your life and so it's a normal state for the believer but to this state all believers do not attain nor when it is attained is it always maintained Many of us have had experiences with God, but that's all they are. They're experiences. They're not life-changing events. Because life-changing events alters the course in which you're going and alters your walk. And experience doesn't always do that. It's just an experience. You experience something. In, in my life, I've had a lot of close calls and a lot of, a lot of things that's tried to take me out. It's never really changed my outlook toward life because I've always had this weird approach to that. When something like that happens and I'm still alive after it's over with, I just simply say, well, I survived that. And that's just how I feel. I'm not afraid of it anymore. I, I don't, you know, it's, it does, it's not something that, that changes my life. You know, several years ago, I got, I got hit hard on a, on a power line. They tell me that it, that it killed me, that it stopped my heart, and I wasn't breathing, and I slid down a, a tall pole and hung up, and they was trying to get me down, and when they get me down, they dropped me, and when they dropped me on the ground, it started my heart beating again. I still work with electricity. <laughs> and I've been hit a lot of times since then. I mean, I've been hit hard by electricity since then. And, but it doesn't scare me. You know, it's not something that I, that I have anxiety about. I don't know why. But it's just 
to me, it's like, okay, I, I survived that. You know, I've been through wrecks, and it's like, I survived that. I still drive cars, even though I've been in head-on crashes that, that, that totally demolished the vehicles, but I survived that. So I still drive a car. I've been in motorcycle wrecks. It's really hurt bad and could have been really bad, but I survived that. And so I get back on my bike and take off. Amen. <laughs> I've had to have, have help pushing my, my big Harley back up out of deep ravines with the handlebars being all the pieces and the and the the windshield busted off and rocks stuck in it and I'm bruised and tore and everything but I get the thing back up there on the road so that I can get it running again and get back on it but it doesn't alter my life you see where I'm going here it doesn't change my way of behavior amen that's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, you haven't lived until you break the windshield off a motorcycle with the bottom part of your chin. I mean, that's, that's living. You really, you really feel life when you're flying forward after hitting a vehicle, and you're flying forward, and your head comes down like this and catches that, that plexiglass windshield, and, it, and you break it off. And it scatters your chickens for a little while, you know. <laughs> you don't quite know where you're at for just a little bit. But, but you survived that. Some people, it alters their life. Now, I've had people tell me that they had a close call and they, they never get on a motorcycle again, you know. Well, that, that was a life-altering experience, Okay. It just takes a lot more to alter my life, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I've almost died in foreign countries, and I still go back to foreign countries. Why? Because it wasn't a life-altering situation, because God took me through that. But when I have an experience with God... When I get in the presence of God and I pray and I seek God and I feel the presence of God and he comes in and he changes me, it's a life-altering experience. In other words, when I, when I, after that's over with, I don't just say, well, that was a really good experience. I go after it and I want to walk in what God touched me with. I want to walk in that. I want to live in that. I want to go after that. And it changes the course and direction of my life. I've had many of those. When I was in my early 20s, I had an encounter with God that absolutely changed everything about my life. It was not just an experience. It was a life-altering, changing encounter that changed the course, direction, activity, and behavior of my whole being. And that's what I'm talking about. We don't just need experiences in the body of Christ. We need life-altering encounters that causes us to change and walk differently after we've had that encounter. Hallelujah. I mean, when you, when you come in, in contact with the power of God, you can't just walk away saying, Ooh, I enjoyed those goosebumps. No, you leave there and you are so hungry, it's like you're homesick. I don't, I, for years, I didn't know what it was like. I had to get up into my, into my late 40s before I started knowing what it felt like to be homesick. I traveled, was gone. The first, the first six years of me and Betty's marriage, I was gone all the time. I had to travel and work. And, and then, I, then I traveled to preach, and, you know, I was gone all the time. I would come home on weekends. I'd see her on weekends. Sometimes I wouldn't, wouldn't be home for, for three months. I loved her. I missed her, but I didn't know what it was, felt like to be homesick because wherever I was is where I, where I was. You know, I was at work, so I focused on work. I did my job. I did what I needed to do. And then when it's time to go home, it's like, oh, okay, I'm done here. I'm going home. And I'd go home. But I didn't know what it's like to be homesick. Now I do. Yeah, I have this weird feeling 
you know, makes you want to be home. You know, it's like, what is this? Especially when you get grandkids. You love your kids, but when you get grandkids, and those grandkids just seem to admire you so much, it is like they just get a hold of you. It is weird. Especially granddaughters. Why didn't somebody tell me what was going to happen? <laughs> I was fine with a grandson because I was used to raising boys. I've, all we've ever had around was boys. And so I was used to that. But then these granddaughters come along. They are weird creatures. <laughs> they do stuff to you, you know? I've actually got a picture of me sitting in a chair at home. Both my granddaughters attacked me with these little clip-on bow things to put in your hair. What do they call those? Barrettes. One got on one side and one got on the other side, and they attacked me with barrettes. And, and I got a picture of my hair is completely full of barrettes, and even my beard is full of barrettes. <laughs> the weirdest thing is, I sit there and let them do it. <laughs> what is that? You know? First time I got on to Arya after she was born, after she was old enough to understand, I got on to her about something one day. I'm, I'm still Mr. You know, do it. And, and, and I got on to her. And I told her, I said, don't you do that anymore. She come running over to me, laid her head down on my knee and hugged me and then kissed my hand and run off. I looked at Betty and I said, what, what just happened? What, what, what's she doing? I was used to little boys that bow up at you, you know? They're ready to take you on, you know? They, they, they fight back. She didn't. She came over and hugged me and kissed my hand, and it's like, okay, do it all you want. I don't know what to do with this. And you have those feelings. So I begin, to, I begin to understand what it meant to be homesick. You know, I go overseas now, I have these weird feelings about my kids and my grandkids. You know, where's this coming from? It's distracting. But there's nothing compared to having an encounter with the presence of God. When you feel the prayer, you know why? Because that's what your soul longs for. It's home. It is home. It's where we belong. It's what we were made for. And you have an encounter with the presence of God. And when, you, when it's over with, when you walk away from that, you can't just walk away from that thinking that was, that was quite an experience and it was goosebumps and stuff. No, you walk away from that with this aching inside of you. You want to be there again. You want to be home again. You want, you want to experience that again. You want to feel that again. That's what I'm talking about. And that's why I've taken a totally different approach on talking about the spirit-filled life is because I don't want us just to have momentary experiences and goosebumps. I want us to be able to get up in the morning and walk in cadence with Holy Spirit and walk in rhythm with Him and live our lives in rhythm with Him. And I got to tell you something, the rest of it, the outpouring, the manifestation of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are not going to be a problem. Paul did not spend his life trying to figure out how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. All of Paul's writing was trying to help us understand the difference between the spirit and the soul the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. And this is kind of setting us up for the next series that we're going to be getting into with the um, mentally and emotionally whole series. going to be good. Next Sunday, Sister Betty's going to be preaching or speaking. Why, she don't like to call it that, but she's going to be speaking. And she is, she is she, this week, she, she, is, she guarded her nose. Matter of fact, when she was studying, she would tell me, say, get away from me, get away from me. Because I always end up preaching on her, her message the Sunday before. So she didn't want me to pick up on anything. She's going to be preaching or talking next Sunday, sharing her heart next Sunday, Mother's Day. And then after that, we're going to be heading into the, 
mentally and emotionally wholeness that God has to offer. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just having a powerful service on Sunday morning. Thank God for those. I want I want it to increase and more and more and more. Matter of fact, when people walk in here, I want them to know they had an encounter with the presence of God. Amen. Praise God. When I'm preaching and I say something that really grabs hold of your heart, don't just sit there and go, get in on that. Grab hold of it. Say, that's mine. If you have to, jump to your feet and say, yeah, that's mine. Amen. Don't just let it pass. Grab hold of it. Jump in on it. Praise God in it. Amen. Can you praise God in the Word? Oh, yeah, we can. Praise God. But the spiritual maturity. Go with me, 1 Corinthians. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to a place to wrap this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting with verse 4, it says, I thank God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by, by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge. I want you to think about that. They were enriched in everything by him. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that you become sure in no gift. Now turn with me to the third chapter and verse 1. Now this is Paul talking to the same church. He said, I, brethren, could not speak to you. Talking about in the beginning when he first came, he said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as the spiritual people, but as the carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Look what Paul's saying. They came behind in no spiritual gift. But now Paul's telling them that you're still not able to take the solid food of the Word of God. You're still babes in Christ, even though you come behind in no gift. That's a dangerous thing. To have first to be full of gifts, but not mature enough to know how to use them. Because that always tends to narcissism. Amen. And then narcissism turns into toxic narcissism, manipulative narcissism, where we start trying to control people through our gifts. That's immaturity. Amen. Hang in there with me. I fed, you not, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. For, for you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For whoever says, I am of Paul, and another I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? There was dissension in the church, the church that came behind and no spiritual gift. I mean, they excelled in spiritual gifts and spiritual operation, but Paul is telling them, but you've not grown up to the point where you, where you can't get away from this petty arguments, competition, and envy. You're still fighting over, over who's who in the church. Amen. We don't have yearbooks around here where it says most likely to be the most spiritual person in the church. <laughs> most likely to be the best worshiper. Most likely to be the best pre preacher. You know, that carnality, things like that. I've had, I've had be, as a pastor, I've had people come up to me in church and tell me that, you know, that they were the most spiritual person in the church and, and I needed to just yield to them. Well, if they hadn't told me that, I might have thought they were. But the fact that they told me that tells me that they're still carnal. 
Because the more spiritual you become, the less you think of yourself. Amen. Matter of fact, the more spiritual you become, the less you, you, you hunt out things like that. Amen. Because I believe as somebody said it earlier, the gifts, the gifts that God has given us, probably Roth, the gifts that God has given us are no longer for us. Now we're responsible for them, and people start wanting your, your gift. I mean, they, they start wanting, if, if you've got a gift of healing, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be trying to find a way to go to town without anybody recognizing you because you're gonna be, somebody's going to be wanting you to pray for them all the time. There's a demand that comes on the gift. So if you're really spiritual and you're mature about it, then your greatest desire is just to walk in rhythm with the Holy Spirit and do what he's telling you to do. You don't look for notoriety. Matter of fact, you realize that's probably the worst thing could ever happen to you. John G. Lake was in the, in the woods praying. He saw a woman coming with a child, and they were in a time where there was, there was uh, famine and there was hardship. This is over in South Africa, and there was, it, was, it was hard times. And he saw this lady coming with this child, and this child was obviously sick and, and disabled. And he said, she come up there crying, laid this child on a rock, stood there and wept, and then turned around and walked off. She couldn't take care of the child. She didn't have, she didn't have anything to feed her. She wasn't able to take care of the child, and, and her heart was breaking, and she didn't want to see this. I don't understand the mentality there, but she didn't want to see this child die. And John G. Lakes was watching this, and she didn't know he was there. And he takes, she takes off. He sneaks over to where the child's at, lays hands on this child in the name of Jesus, and this baby, this young child was healed, and all of a sudden, he, he took off and hid again, and this child jumps up and runs after his mama, hollering, mama, 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 and she turns around, and here's her child that was sick that she is saying goodbye to, and now here, this child is chasing her. And she had no idea what happened. And he just hid behind something and just praised God and enjoyed watching this take place. That's spiritual maturity. Spiritually immaturity would have been passing out flyers and business cards and saying, if you need a meeting, call me, you know. Yep, I'm the one. I did it. Come on, somebody. How many want a church full of spiritually mature people? Amen. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Where we can minister to people, but we're not we're not fighting and you know one of the one of the one of the downfalls of every move of God is, is the immaturity that comes with it. Because people start battling over over who's most spiritual and who can do this and who can do that and who should be in charge of this and who should be in charge of that. And it's just immaturity and it's envy and it's I'm of a Paul and, and I'm of Apollos and Apollos is the greatest one. No, Paul is the greatest one. I follow Paul. No, I follow Apollos. And Paul said, are you not still carnal? He said, they're both operating a Paul and Apollos is both operating in the Spirit of God, doing what they do. One souls, one waters, God gives the increase. Why are we fighting over who we're for? Because it's all a process. You might not be able to, you might, you might just be the one that sows the seed, and somebody else is there when the harvest is reaped. That doesn't mean that you are less important. It means you played your part. You were there. You, you invested your peace into the puzzle. And if we're spiritually mature, we can rejoice with everybody and not think, well, I didn't get any recognition from that. They should have put my name on that too because I'm, I'm the one that started that. Are you getting what I'm saying? Spiritual immaturity. 
God, help us to grow up, to become spiritual, because God, and, and, and I'm not going to say that I'm closing, but I'm wrapping this up, okay? Because every time a preacher says he's closing, he's lying. And I don't want to lie. Spiritual maturity is what God's wanting to bring us to. You know why? Because he's wanting to pour out his spirit in powerful measures. But he just wants to be able to trust us with it. He wants to be able to trust that we're not going to tear it up. Amen. Praise God. Not going to tear it up. You know, if, if, if some 16-year-old kid come up to me and said, hey, can I ride your Harley? The answer would be no. He's not ready for that 1,000-pound bike. Amen. Matter of fact, if most people come up and said, can I ride your Harley, it'd be a no. But, you know, that's, that's beside the point. When we understand the responsibility and we understand the humility and the yielded attitude that is necessary, then we're able to operate in a level that we haven't operated in before. Praise God. God wants to do that. He, wa he wants us to be a part of it. He wants to change our life. Some of you have not even had a life-changing experience yet. You've got to get encounter with God. You've got to have a God encounter. Amen. Like Paul said, not all, or, or like this said in, in the Vines Expository, not all Christians have attained this level. Not all Christians have been there. And it, it fades away. When we do get there, it's not, it's not just something that's going to last forever. You have to maintain it. You have to go after it. Amen. Father, Lord, I thank you for the word today. I thank you, Father, for the, the understanding, the knowledge and understanding. Lord, I ask today that you would help us to walk in the things of God in a way that, Lord God, that we don't abuse them and we don't lose them. Lord, that where we can maintain the rhythm of the Holy Spirit in our life and grow and grow and grow and grow. Lord, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today over this church, over this body, that we will grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me today, if you would, please.